this is Kara Foster from First Christian Church, Disciples of Christ in Madisonville, Kentucky, and you're listening to our sermons podcast. And if you want to find out more information, you can connect with us at www.madisonvilledisciples.org or come in person at 1030 College Drive, uh, Madisonville, Kentucky. Subscribe and enjoy these podcasts. Our story today begins in Jerusalem during the time of the Feast of Tabernacles in Jerusalem. So the city would have been crowded as people were gathering for festivities around the temple, bringing their first fruits of the harvest. And Jesus is teaching in the city there when he is interrupted by some Pharisees and scribes who are bringing a woman they have caught. I invite you to read along with me. It is in John chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. It says, While Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, early in the morning he came again to the temple. All the people came to him, and he sat down and began to teach them. The scribe and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery, and making her stand before all of them, they said to him, Teacher, This woman was caught in the very act of committing adultery. Now in the law of Moses commanded us to stone such women. Now what do you say? They said this to test him so that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote with his finger on the ground. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, Let anyone among you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And once again he bent down and he wrote on the ground. And when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the elders. And Jesus was left alone with this woman standing before him. Jesus straightened up and said to her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, sir. And Jesus said, Neither do I condemn you. Go your way now. And do not sin again. Our passage today happens to have a pretty fascinating historical context. Um, This story has a really unique history around it, surrounding the biblical text. And most of us probably don't spend too much time thinking about the, the copies, the earliest copies of the Gospels and scriptures that we have. But they are out there. They're in they're in museums around the world. They're in private hands and collectors. And I'm sure there's still some copies buried in a cave somewhere we've yet to find. Sometimes it's fragments. Sometimes it's whole sections of stories. Sometimes it's a gospel in completion as we know it today. And the interesting thing about this story in John chapter 8 is that we know that some of the earliest copies we have of the Gospel of John, some of them, not all of them, don't have this story. It's missing. The scribes, like they've skipped over it. And it's interesting because Augustine, one of the early church fathers, actually said that scribes did this, some scribes did this intentionally at first, because they were uncomfortable by Jesus' mercy in this story. Now, in the 4th and 5th century, the, the texts that we have always have this gospel, but some of the earliest ones 
are missing John 8. And Augustine, this is actually what he says about it. He wrote about this very thing. He said, certain persons of little faith, or rather enemies of the true faith, fearing, I suppose, lest their wives should be given impunity in sinning, removed from their manuscripts the Lord's act of forgiveness toward the adulteress, as if he who had said, sin no more, had granted permission to sin. Augustine thought people were uncomfortable by Jesus's mercy. It seems to me that Jesus was considered too soft on crime even back then. They were uncomfortable by the mercy that he offers this woman. And I know a lot of years have passed, but I wonder if this story still makes us uncomfortable. If Jesus mercy here unnerves us still. Now we know it would be the Feast of Tabernacles. The city was filled with happenings. Jesus is there and he's teaching and his reputation has grown. He, he's got disciples. He's got followers. He's got people listening to him and what he has to say. And the Pharisees and scribes want to catch him in something. They, this is a classic gotcha moment. It's a classic back someone into the corner moment. They bring this woman or drag this woman who is caught in adultery to Jesus. And they say, Jesus, you know what the scriptures say. You know what it is that has to be done here. Now, maybe you've... Um, Ever seen your cat toy with a moth or even a mouse a little bit before bringing it to its bitter end? The cat knows it has all the power. The moth knows what's going to happen to it. And the cat just likes to toy with it for just a little while. This woman in the story, she's the mouse. She's just a pawn in their game. The one they're after, the one they're really trying to put into a corner is Jesus here. It's a quintessential gotcha moment. They bring her to Jesus. She's been caught. Adultery, scriptures are clear. Leviticus 20.10, Deuteronomy 22.22. It's super clear, Jesus. She has to die. Now, I might add that the scriptures mention that both guilty parties should be condemned, and they've only brought this one woman. We don't know the situation. We don't know her story. We only know that she has brought in shame and humiliation, and her very life is on the line. She should be condemned, Jesus, right? Scripture says. But here's the catch. We know that Rome was in charge. The people of Israel lived under the Roman Empire's authority. And Rome had long ago said to the Jews, we will be the ones enacting justice. You live, you work, you worship at our good graces. We are the only ones that have authority to condemn. In fact, you see this even in Jesus's arrest and trial, he is brought to a Roman governor, Pilate, to be condemned because only the Roman Empire could have such authority. 
Jewish leaders could not do such a thing. And so here's the catch. Here's the gotcha moment. If Jesus is to condemn her, as the scriptures say, well, then he is out of bounds and they could get him in trouble with the Roman authorities. And if he doesn't condemn her, well, then what kind of heretic, heathen rabbi is he? They've, they've got him cornered. They drag him up in front of the crowd. Sinner, this woman is a sinner. Jesus, you know what to do with her. And what is Jesus doing? He's riding in the dirt. I love this detail. He's riding in the dirt. This angry mob, this woman caught in shame, and he's drawing. Wouldn't you love to know what he was writing? Artists have surmised, theologians have wondered. We don't know. I would love to know. Was, was he doodling a picture? Was he writing out a scripture? Was he making his grocery list? We don't know. He's just riding in the dirt while this angry mob is there. I remember decades ago, uh, summer at Camp Kumbaya, where a small group of high schoolers were getting ready to lead worship that night. And what the plan was to do was for them to enact this very scripture. They, we were going to play some music, and then they were going to tell the story with movements. They wasn't going to talk. They were just going to speak. I mean, they were just going to move and tell the story without their words as the song played. And I remember we read through the story several times and talked about it. And eventually we gave all the kids their parts. The woman who would be dragged by the angry crowd, the angry mob with their stones, the people being taught by Jesus, and of course Jesus himself. And when we were practicing it, we just decided to let the kids figure it out and see what they would come up with. And I remember the, the mob came in, they dragged the woman, they were picking up stones and they were angry. And then this 16-year-old Jesus, I remember he got up and he bent over and he drew a line in the dirt. And then he put himself physically between that angry mob and the woman. He put himself physically between her and them. It certainly wasn't what we had imagined, but we didn't change a thing. That night at the camp worship, all the campers watched this group of young people tell the story where Jesus drew a line in the sand and put himself between the angry mob and her until one by one they dropped their stones and walked away. Jesus diffuses the angry mob with a line. Let anyone among you who is without sin cast the first stone. He knows the game they're playing. Go ahead, throw the stone, just make sure you are without sin too. And he undoes them. With just that line, the truth can be painful sometimes. They put their stones down and they walk away, leaving just the woman standing there. And I happen to feel like this next part, Jesus says, 
with a smile on his face and a little twinkle in his eye when he's still drawing in the dirt. He says, where does the, the crowd go? Did no one condemn you? No, she says, they didn't. Neither do I. Go and sin no more. And the weight of a million pounds of stones falls off her shoulders. Grace, mercy, forgiveness. Jesus is giving her an opportunity to write a new ending to her story. To repent actually means to go in a new direction, to begin again, to write a new ending. What Jesus offers this woman is a two-part blessing. First, he offers her mercy, and then he gives her holiness. First, he gives her mercy, and then he gives her the gift of holiness to invite her to get a second chance, to write a new chapter in her story, and to go in a new direction. Now the truth is, a blessing like this one can be hard to receive. Sometimes the hard part is recognizing Jesus' call to holiness here, to live our lives differently, to let our lives be shaped by Jesus' life. Those five words, go and sin no more, it's hard. Change is hard. It's that definition of insanity is doing the same thing again and again and again and expecting different results. It's hard to change. We have our habits and our patterns and our tangled webs we like to weave to truly go in a new direction. Your sins may look different than this woman's, but it is hard to change. We know this. Jesus invites us to take a good long look in the mirror, not to try to make excuses, not to sugarcoat it or deny or lie. And the truth is, maybe sometimes we don't like what we see. Go and sin no more. It's not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It's an invitation to go a new way, to write a new ending to the story. We can't change the past, but we can write a new ending. And maybe today you need to recognize that there are things in your own life that you need to change. But I have been in ministry long enough to realize that there are other things that are challenging with this particular blessing today. I remember when I was a hospital chaplain going to visit a man in his late 80s, and he was dying, and he knew he was dying, and he wanted particularly to talk with a chaplain. And as we talked, it was clear there was a very specific thing that was weighing on his heart. In fact, he was afraid of death because of it. Even though he was a person of deep faith, he was afraid of what was next because of this weight he had been carrying in his life for over 60 years. And as we talked about it, he, he let me know that he had long ago 
asked for God's forgiveness, and he had gone in a new direction, and he had even reached out to people in his life, his family, that he had hurt so much and had asked for their forgiveness and tried to make it right, but yet still, still, he couldn't let go. He wasn't so sure. The truth is, it was hard for him to imagine a forgiving God because he could not forgive himself. It would be easier for him to have Jesus throw the book at him, to have Jesus let him have it, to give him a piece of his mind, but to receive his mercy? It was hard. Jeremiah 31, the prophet, has this beautiful phrase that I I love. He says, I will make a new covenant with my people. I will write my law on their hearts. They will know me from the least to the greatest I will forgive them of their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. I will forgive them of their iniquity, and I will remember their sin no more. That's how God works. I will remember their sin no more. And maybe you do remember. Maybe you can't forget. Forgive and forget? What a joke that expression is. We don't forget. Sometimes, though, it can be hard to receive the gift of Jesus' mercy because our hands are so full of the stones of our own condemnation. Jesus offers us another way. I don't remember who said this, but there's this saying about forgiveness that forgiveness is setting the prisoner free only to realize that the prisoner was you. Jesus offers us a chance to write a new ending with our lives, to tell a new story by receiving the gift of his mercy. And you don't have to earn it or deserve it. After all, the line in the sand has already been drawn and he stands with you. So what new story, what new ending will you write?